0: Acts chapter uh, 8 is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, How many of you have ever um, prayed for just an opportunity? Like you just wanted an opportunity for something. And and sometimes we pray for opportunities in our place of employment. God, if you would just give me an opportunity to show these people what I can do, I know that they'll be impressed by it. Or we may feel like we're at a dead end job. And we say, well, if I would just have an opportunity to do something then we would move on. Or sometimes it's, it's ministry-related stuff. God, if you just give me an opportunity to use uh, the things that you have gifted and enabled me to do, uh, then I know, I know that I can, I can have an impact. And I want to talk about this idea of opportunities this morning, because in Acts chapter 8, we find a couple of individual guys, uh, and both were giving opportunities at just the moment that they needed them. Sometimes when it comes to these opportunities that we have in life, it's being aware that the opportunity exists when maybe otherwise we wouldn't have known. Like, you know, it's just developing an awareness of when, um, when an opportunity presents itself and then us having the courage and the boldness to take, uh, take advantage of said opportunity. And, and again, this morning, we're going to look at two guys in two very different uh, places in life that God brings together in this, in this amazing opportunity, but both of them kinda had to be in a position uh, to be able to acknowledge this opportunity. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter eight, uh, we're gonna begin reading uh, in verse 26. It says, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, and, and then it gives us a side note that this is a desert place. Now let me set the stage up real quick. In the book of Acts, it's about the early New Testament church and how God was working through them to not only grow the church, but to multiply it. And so we see these incredible acts of God and this ministry taking place and people are being saved and it's just an amazing time uh, to, to, to be a part of the church. And so Philip is part of this, 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 it was really probably one of the first missionaries and he finds himself, you see in Jerusalem there was a lot of, of trials and persecutions and what happened was the believers in Jerusalem were being dispersed into all these different areas of the world and when they were dispersed the gospel was going with them and they were taking the gospel into these different areas and Philip winds up in a place called Samaria and while Philip's in Samaria, uh, a matter of fact, if you look at, at, at chapter 8, uh, verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And if you look at... Um, uh, go to well. Let's just keep reading. There, verse six. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits came crying out with a loud voice, uh, or, or for unclean spirits crying out in a loud voice, came out of many who had who had them, and there and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. Now, so there's this ministry, this this vibrant, fruitful ministry taking place in the city of Samaria. But in this part of the chapter, later on, then this angel Lord comes to Philip, and we saw that in verse 26, and he says, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then he tells us this was a desert place. And in verse 27, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you, uh, the songs that we sang this morning, Lord, uh, that you see us, that you love us, that you, you know, and the Lord, it's not because of who we are, but it's because of what you've done. And God, you see us where we are at, and you know the condition that we're in. And, and we, may, we may feel like that we kind of uh, are like this, this Ethiopian guy that, that is, is in his chariot in the middle of a desert. We may feel like that we're in a desert place in life, but just like you see this man here in the text today, you see us and you know exactly where we are and what we're going through and what we're struggling with. And God, I pray today that, that, that we might be encouraged by that, that you see us and you know And God, there are people that you're sending our way and God, help us to see the opportunities. Father, for those of us this morning that maybe we're like Philip and we find ourselves in a a fruitful ministry and you tell us to go and we're not really sure what that's gonna look like or what that is gonna entail, that we would be just like Philip, that we would rise and go knowing that that's the place you're leading us to or the area or the direction that you're leading us to so that we might have the opportunity to share the gospel with people and see them come to a saving relationship. With Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so thankful for the gospel, Lord. It is the, it is the power to save. And Lord, we are sitting here today, and, and some of us here this morning have, have a, are in that relationship with you, that saving relationship with you, Lord. Others may be here this morning and, and they're still trying to, to get some answers and they're still trying to figure this thing out. And God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit, regardless of where we are, at, are at in our relationship with you. Lord, that your spirit would, would would minister to us, that it would speak to us, Father. God, if there's some here that need to be saved, Lord, that you would uh, affirm in them, Lord, that that you are who you say you are. Lord, I pray for those that are walking with you, God, that you would affirm, affirm in us that that God, you have something much greater. Um in, in, in plan for, for for your children, Lord, than, than, than sometimes what we even give ourselves credit for, Lord, that you want to move through the church today, just as you move through the church in the book of Acts. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be gospel witnesses, and Father, help us to, to, to hear your word this morning, to receive it, to accept it, and to apply it to our lives, and we'll give you the glory in all things, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Two guys, two vastly different opportunities, two very different places. In life, and so, um, in the middle of, of all this amazing work that philip 's taking part in in Samaria, God calls him to go uh, to a single man out in the desert who is searching for truth in verse twenty six of our text, uh, we see that the angel of the Lord sent Philip to the desert uh, and, and can you imagine the surprise that that Philip may have have experienced that moment? Here he is in the middle of a city that needs to hear the gospel and he 's preaching the gospel and these miracles are taking place and and people are getting saved and there's great joy in the city and Jesus says, hey, get up. And go down this road, and then I want you to meet this guy in the desert. In the middle of a tremendously fruitful season of ministry, God sends him out to the middle of nowhere. And perhaps God chose Philip because of, uh, for this mission because he knew Philip would obey. Or perhaps it was because Philip had been a servant leader who had already shown himself to be spiritually minded and willing to care for others, both physically and, and spiritually. Uh, but but it, it, whatever the case was, there was a message that was sent to Philip. Philip, if you are familiar with the, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7, Philip is one of the first men that are called to the office of deacon. And so he had spent time uh, serving the church in Jerusalem. So when the angel approached Philip, uh, the angel was approaching a man who had already been willing to care for the needs of others, both spiritually and physically and emotionally or whatever the case may have been. Sometimes we have a tendency to think of ourselves primarily in light of our occupation or our career. For example, I'm a mechanic, I'm a nurse, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm retired. But while there may be any number of words or phrases that we can use to describe ourselves, always remember that your primary mission, if you are a child of God this morning, your primary calling, your primary title, your primary purpose Every, everything centers around this call that you are a messenger of the gospel. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are a, a, a Christian something. And, and so you can, you can define, you know, you, we can still describe ourselves, but we still have this idea that our primary mission in life is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And for some of us, the next step for us, let's, let's bite this down into, bit, uh, into small parts. Because for some of you, the first mission field you need to take care of is in your home. For others of you, your home is taken care of. Your next mission field is to the house next door. And when your neighborhood has been ministered to, we keep kind of taking one more step. You see, we all have a mission field that God has prepared beforehand for us. Your relationships, your friendships, the people that you are naturally drawn to are your mission field. It's not because you're similar in life circumstances or because you work in the same place. God has sovereignly ordained these events to take place to put you around people that need to hear the gospel. But what's our natural tendency? Our natural tendency is to do what's comfortable and what's often comfortable is to hang out around church people. Because if we hang out around people who don't go to church, we know they need to hear the gospel. And we may be the only person in the group that goes to church. And so we know it's our responsibility to tell them. And so anything that we do, anything that we do, we look at as an opportunity for the, for the ministry. And so Philip finds him, place, uh, finds him in, this, in this area of life. And Jesus made it clear that we're the ones he chose to be the messengers of his message and Philip's story confirms the truth. Isn't it interesting? There's a man in the desert searching for the truth of the gospel. He's reading, we'll find out the book, of well, we read it. We, he's reading the book of Isaiah. He doesn't understand what he's reading, and who does the angel show up to visit? It's not the guy in the desert. It's Philip. The angel comes to Philip now the angel could have went and said, you know, you know in a, a brilliant flash of lightning like we see later on in the book of Acts in the conversion of Saul, a bright flash of light and, and he, God could have revealed himself like that, but what's he do? He chooses to use Philip. So the angel comes to Philip, says, I want you to go. Philip rises and he goes and, and, and he quickly responds. Look again at Verse 27. In verse, twenty, in verse he says, and he rose and went. So the angel says, rise and go, and Philip rose and went. And, and so uh, let me ask you this question this morning, and I wanna ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about this a little bit. How many of you desire to be used by God? You wanna be used by God. You know the impact the gospel has had in your life, and you know the need of others around us who need the gospel, they need Christ in their life, they need that opportunity, and we want to be used by God. Like We want to make an impact. We don't want to just go to work and go to home and go to bed and just kind of slide through life and then die one day and go to heaven. We want to have a lasting impact, a legacy on this earth. And if that's us, then, then, then here's, here's what we need to understand. When Philip, got, when Philip sensed the Holy Spirit, he didn't delay. He didn't ask God for a sign, you know, just to make sure. He was sensitive to the Spirit of God. And when God moved in his life, he rose and he went. And for us, it's cultivating that relationship with Jesus. That when he, when he speaks, it's not like, uh, God, is that you? It's like when I was a kid, I remember, I remember, uh, you know, and it was a little bit different. You know, when we, when I was a kid, we could, we could get on our bikes and mom and dad would let us ride all around our neighborhood. And we lived, we didn't really live in a subdivision. We more or less lived in like this block of of housing uh, that was just blocks and blocks of a residential area. And we would get on our bikes and we would, we would ride around this little residential area and we would, we had friends on different street and we'd be at their house but there was something, when my dad got home at, at whatever time he would get home from work, 5, 5.15, my dad would whistle. And I knew my dad's whistle from every other whistle of every other dad in the, in the neighborhood. I knew it when my dad, he would stick his, and I never did develop this skill, but he would stick his fingers in his mouth and it'd be like, whoo whoop. It was way different than that, but you get the idea. And, and so he would come home and I'd be pedaling and sweating and, and I would hear that because when dad got home, it was supper time. And so he'd whistle and bam, I would go. Like it wasn't like you didn't dilly dally around when dad whistled. When dad whistled, it was time to go home. You didn't argue with it. You just went. And some of you have similar stories. There was a, a bell or dad could yell or there was something, you know, mom would have a something or there would be some way. Or even when you're in, the, in, in, a, in a big room of people. And, and I remember as a kid one time being in Walmart and I got separated from my mom and I am I'm panicking. Like I'm crying because I don't know where my mom's at and I could hear her calling my name. Or even today, you know, it's divide and conquer when our family goes to Walmart and so what do I do? I know the sound of my wife's voice. I know the sound of my kids as I can usually hear them over the crowd at Walmart. And so I'll, I'll listen for them and I'll go and, and hear them out in the aisle and I'll go and seek them out. Why? Because there's nobody's voice like your mom's. There's no one's voice like your dad's. There's nobody's voice like your kid's. There's no one's voice like your spouse. You come to be familiar with those voices. We need to become familiar with the voice of God, what that sounds like in our life. We need to be familiar with with what it means to hear him say, rise and go. And then just like when dad came home and whistled, when God says, hey, buddy, it's time to move, we get up and go. We don't look for excuses. Well, God, I'm really part of a fruitful ministry. Understand this. God sees each and every one of us. And God saw this guy in a chariot riding through the desert that nobody else saw, and God saw him. And folks, right now there's people that God sees that he wants to send you to go and speak the, the, the truth to, to go and speak life to, to explain why do these things happen and to go and explain these things to them. And so we've got to understand that if we follow God only when it's convenient, we'll never see the great things God can do through us. If we only serve God when it's convenient for us, we'll never see God do great and mighty things through us. Sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, there are times that sometimes serving, following God, it feels like risk. And here's why. Inerrant in faith is always risk. You cannot remove risk from faith. It's not It's not possible. Because it's not really faith. If I'm going and doing something that I know I'm fully capable of doing, like there's not a whole lot of faith in that. There is no faith in that. It may be confidence, but there's not faith. There is always an element of risk in every step of faith you and I will ever take. Because there's always that uncertainty that maybe I'm not equipped, maybe I'm not qualified, maybe I'm not this, and God says, listen, it's not about you, it's about me, and I'm going to give you exactly what you need to do the job or the task or the calling that I'm, I'm leading you to, to, to accomplish. And so I need you to trust me, I need you to take this step of faith, and you know what happens? It's like that, and I always refer to this because it's such this huge picture, Indiana Jones, Right? Remember when he's, he's looking for the uh, uh, oh, the chalice, the cup. What was it called? The Holy Grail, right? That cup. And, and, and he, he walks out of the, the, the kind of obstacle course thing with the buzzsaws and the arrows and all that kind of stuff happening. And he comes and he's on this sheer cliff and there's a doorway on the other side. And, the, and the, the thing is something about taking a leap of faith or a step of faith and he steps out and what happens? Does he fall to the bottom of this ravine? Anybody seen the movie? If not, it's a, great, it's a great illustration. You'll get it if you don't get it. I'm a, I may be a terrible storyteller. But he steps out and he, and, he, and he doesn't fall. Like there's this invisible bridge. It's a step of faith. That's what we learn to discover about God is that when he calls us to do something, he equips us to do the very thing. Now, we're our own worst critic. And sometimes we look at things and say, well, I could have done a better job or I failed miserably or whatever the case may be. But we trust him. And you know what? There have been mornings I've walked out of here and sure you guys were going to fire me when I walked out because the sermon was so bad. And at the end of it, you're like, oh man, it's a great Sunday. Like it's the best day. And I'm like, "Well, where have you guys been? Like I just messed that one up because we're hard on ourselves. We're critical. We don't think, but with God, we are, we are more capable of doing things then we then we think we are because we need the Lord and we need to take that risk and take and be willing to take those steps and go. Philip's asked to leave a fruitful ministry to go out into the desert, and so faith always carries with it this element of risk. And God saw a faithful man in Jerusalem and chose him to deliver a message in the desert. But why take God? Why take? Why would God take Philip out of Jerusalem and send him to the desert? Well. There's this revival happening in Samaria, but elsewhere there's a man traveling across the desert trying to understand who God was. And God saw this man and sent someone to him. And, he's, and so notice two characteristics about this Ethiopian guy. Number one, we need to understand that he was seen by God. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're searching for answers, listen, God sees you and he's going to provide people, maybe here this morning and maybe the person you're sitting next to, and maybe after the service, you come and talk to me or, or Pastor Luke and you have questions, but God sees you and he's sending people to give you the answers. Acts 8 shows us that we have an amazing, loving God who truly cares about individuals, individual lives being saved. Here's this Ethiopian guy. Think of your story of salvation. You know, I can I look back and it wasn't I didn't get saved in a church on a Sunday morning. I got saved because God sent a couple of guys that I was playing football with to start working on me. I was looking for answers and He was delivering those answers, and, and so I was given an opportunity. And so yet God saw this man in the desert who'd been to Jerusalem and was curious about the Messiah. And God loved that man just as he loves the whole world. And God sent Philip to the desert for that one man. And let me tell you this morning if you're seeking after God, you'll find him. The Lord loved this Ethiopian man so much that he sent someone to him. He was reading the Old Testament, didn't understand it. So God sent one man to seek another man. And that's what God is all about seeking and saving the lost. So the first characteristics about this guy was he was seen by God. The second one was this, as he was searching for truth. If you look back at verses 28 through 31, it said as he was returning, uh, as he was turning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran, ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me and he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Uh, we don't know the questions. If you go and, and, and look, you can see uh, in, in verse 32. Uh, now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this gener- his generation? For his life was taken away uh, from the earth. That's Isaiah chapter 53. We all, like sheep, go astray it talks about Jesus being the lamb that came and died as a sacrifice for our sins. And he didn't understand what he, what he was reading. And the eunuch, look, well, look at verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with, the, with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. Now, is that not amazing? God in and his sovereignty sees Philip engaged in this, this fruitful ministry in Samaria, but knows that Philip's the right guy to go and reach this eunuch in a desert road in the middle of nowhere. So he says, hey, Philip, I want you to pack, I just want you to get up, head down this road. I want you to wait here. Along comes this Ethiopian guy and he's reading the prophet Isaiah, doesn't understand. And who happens to be standing right there but a guy named Philip who can, prepare, who can show him what this means? And you know what? You and I, every one of us, are Philips. We are people who have the truth, and then there are people like the eunuch who are genuinely searching for it, and we may not know that. They may not be carrying around Bibles, looking at them and reading them and saying, well, I just don't understand what this says. Oh, hey, Larry, you're a Christian. Could you explain this to me? It may not be a situation like that. It may may begin as a simple prompting like this. You decide you're at your office, you're in your little cubby and you decide you need to have a little stand-up break and so you stand up and you're stretching and kind of, kind of working the kinks out and all of a sudden something pops in your head and say, hey, you need to go over to, to Bill's office. And you're like, I don't ever talk to Bill. Why would I need to go to Bill's office? And so you're having this conversation. You don't act like I'm the only one that talks to themselves. Okay, because you know you talk to yourself too and you say, well, man, Bill and I don't have anything in common. And still there's this prompting there. You need to go talk to Bill. You need to go talk to Bill. So finally you're like, oh, okay. So you go in and, and you're going to do a drive-by. Like you're going, hey, Bill, how you doing? And you just keep walking to the bathroom, right? Because that's your excuse for walking by Bill's office. But for some reason on this day, just stick your head in your knock and say, hey, Bill, for some reason you come across my mind. I just want to see how things were going. Getting ready to go maybe spend a little time in prayers. Anything specific maybe I could, I could pray for you about? And all of a sudden, Bill breaks down and he's sobbing uncontrollably. And you don't know, you're just like, uh, what just happened? But why? That prompting, go by Bill's office. I don't want to go by Bill's office. Go by Bill's office. But I don't ever talk to Bill. Go to Bill's office. Well, I don't know Bill that well. And you're having this internal dialogue. And here you have it with, you're having it with the Lord because God's prompting your heart to go talk to Bill. And Bill may be going through a really dark place right now, and he's been praying, God, if you're out there, would you please send me somebody to tell me who you are? I just need some answers. And you know what you get to be that morning? You get to be the answer to Bill's prayer. You get to be the one that gets to tell Bill the truth of who Jesus is. Why? Because for some strange reason, God chooses to prompt you to go by a bill's office. It may be you're driving through town and you're like, oh yeah, so-and-so lives over there. And, you know, I never, I man, I haven't found about them a while. And you, and for some reason, like you just need to go in there and you need to see them. Why? Because you're given an opportunity. An opportunity. And what you choose to do in that opportunity can literally mean eternity in the life of somebody else you think well I don't like that kind of pressure I really don't either that's why whenever I say that we say you know what I need to learn to listen to the I need to learn what God's voice listens to so I don't miss those opportunities not because salvation rides on whether or not you go but sometimes it's just you're the person that needs to unpack the gospel for them Maybe you, maybe your paths were similar, similar in life, or maybe you just, maybe God just has given you the ability to to say it in a way that plainly explains to them the gospel. But you and I, and it's an old word that 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 we don't hear a whole lot about, and or hear a whole lot of in church. But it's this idea of being soul winners. And back in like the seventies and eighties, that was a big phrase. You heard it all over. It didn't matter what kind of Baptist church you went to. It was being a soul winner for Christ. And there were soul winning uh, drives that you would go out and just knock on doors. You'd be witnessing to people. Now you can't get a person to open the door when you go knock on it. But we have this, op- it, it, it's, it's developing that attitude in us that we desire to see people saved. And I want to be used by God to share this gospel with someone else. And it may be that, that, that you're saying, well, God, I'm, I'm doing something right here. And he says, listen. I don't want you to worry about right here. I've got someone for you. I need you to go and do this. And we listen and we go. And what happens? Here, here's this Ethiopian guy driving in the desert. We don't know anything what's going on. But, but look what happens later on in the text. Philip says to him, you know, he's talking to him. opened his mouth and he beginning with the scriptures. Verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, an ear in that, is the fact that this eunuch had placed his faith in Jesus Christ. And now he's wanting to be baptized, Follow him in baptism. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at at, uh, Azadus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Like there's something, there's an amazing thing there. And so I'm going to close with this. If you want to be used by God or be involved in God's ministry, and listen, as a Christian, you should want to be used by God. If you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, he's rescued you out of the, the miry clay and he's set your feet on the rock to stay, if he has called you out of the darkness you are living in and he has brought you into his marvelous light, if you were once an enemy of the cross and now you are a son of God and Cohen, and, and, and you're, you have an inheritance alongside Jesus, if, you, if that is you this morning... If there, are, there should be a desire in you to share the gospel with other people, for a desire to see other people to be saved. And if there's not, then we need to get on our knees and begin asking God to break our hearts for the things that break his Because we need God to move in us. There are people in this community right now that there are not anybody else that's gonna be able to share with them the gospel except people in this church. That we will be, this church will be effective in reaching these particular people. Why? Because God has brought us together, has allowed us to share life experiences. And we have got to be bold with the gospel. Guys, listen. the The worst thing they can do is say no and then maybe not talk to us for a few weeks. That's the worst that can happen. Is that not worth taking the chance to share with them the gospel or to plant that seed that, 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 that they can have new life today and have everlasting life in the future? Because we have no hope apart from the gospel. Zero. We can have a good life, but we can't have hope. Apart from Jesus and and the the gospel and the scriptures, the only thing we are is we are a, a, a series of cells that evolved out of primordial ooze. We live and we die and that's it to life. I don't want to live a life like that. But you and I, we have hope. We've been, what's Peter say? We've been born again to a living hope. Not a dead hope, not something that just causes us to, to sit and, and stew in our own dirtiness, but a living hope that brings us new life and a new heart and sets a new course and direction for life, gives us new opportunities to do more than to just, than to just go through life and hope to give people you know, a little piece of advice or a little bit of encouragement here and there, but to give them something that was meaningful and will last for all eternity, we have that opportunity and how good it feels to do something nice for somebody else but how excellent it feels when we have the opportunity to sit down with a person and unpack the gospel and watch the light bulb come on and now they understand and you get to ask the question hey you know Would you you like to be saved? Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as as your Lord and Savior? And they look at you. Maybe tears are welling up in their eyes and they say, yeah, yeah, I'd I'd like that very much. And you say, well, I'll just say this prayer and you just repeat after me. What's it take to be put in situations like that? You need to be spirit-led. That we walk in the spirit. We need to be spirit-led, not not asking God to bless my plans, but God put me in position that I can be that I can be used of you to be a blessing to other people. Be spirit-led. Wake up in the morning. Lord, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And God help me to see the opportunities that you're going to place before me today. To share the gospel. Or to speak some words of hope. Or to make someone's day a little bit better. Because I'm listening and I'm responsive to you. Be spirit led. Be sensitive. What's that mean? I, and I, it's kind of 1A and 1B. But be sensitive to the spirit. You know, and I am to a detriment. But I'm, I'm very task oriented. Like sit down. Like I want to get. And I, and I tend to to put blinders on and focus on one thing. Some of you may have experienced the bad side of that um, and I apologize for that. But you know, I have a tendency to just put these blinders on and I've got one thing on my mind and one thing only and, this, and th- that particular thing is it. But what happens when I do that is I become insensitive. I don't sense when God is at work around me. I don't sense when God's inviting me to, to join him on a road to a desert place to go and be a part with him and so for us it's cultivating that sensitivity of, of, of allowing ourselves to be focused on a task at hand that we're not daydreaming at work or anything like that but we can be focused on a task but at the same time we're keeping that communication open and I'm, I'm remaining sensitive Then when I get up to stretch or whenever you know that I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of keeping that line of communication open with the Lord Lord hey it's a good day God, it's a day you give me another opportunity to take in a full breath of air, to keep walking, to keep serving. And so God, open these doors and and allow me to step through and help me. And it may just be a prayer, God, help me be sensitive today to where you're moving and how you're working and where you're inviting me to join you at, that I can be a part of your work here on this earth. Be spirit-led. And then the last thing, be spirit-led, be sensitive to the spirit. And the last thing is this, be a student of the scripture. What What did Philip do? Philip began with that passage in Isaiah and he worked his way through to Jesus. And and there are great things to know when we come to being soul winners or or evangelizing. You know, the Romans road is great but sometimes the problem a person's facing maybe can't be answered with just walking them through the Romans road. And so, so if you're familiar with the scriptures, they may be encountering a situation. You may say something like, well, you know, I read the other day about a guy uh, who, was, who was suffering, with, or a woman who was suffering from some infirmities, and, and she'd been to doctors and doctors and doctors. Man, no one, it has been like 12 years, and she just constantly had this same issue. And then one day she met somebody, and that somebody did way more for her than just heal her body. Of course, we know the story. We know the woman who, had a bleeding condition and she had been going to doctors for years and never could get any healing and Jesus walks by and she thinks to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be well. And it may be things in the scriptures or, or advice in Proverbs, but know the scriptures. Be a student of the scriptures. Know what they say so that we can walk people through that. Sometimes it's a story and, and listen, we, the kids were up here at CTS and they were reciting these massive passages of Scripture. I don't, I don't have as much, like, just portions of Scripture. And sometimes all it takes is, is paraphrasing it, knowing the story and being able to make the connections for a person in their life. Just unpacking it a little bit. And listen, they need to hear from you. They need to hear it in, in your way. And, and, they, and, they, and they need to hear that message. So just be a student of the scriptures and, 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 and share with them the gospel woven throughout the scriptures and share it with people who don't know Christ. You know, th- on this particular day, a man in a desert was saved because another man responded to God's will. God saw that man and you know what? God saw Philip and he put the two together. And I, I think that God desires to do that in us every day. God's grace can change a life in a desert when His word's spoken and, and Jesus is exalted. And you and I, there are people all around us who feel like they're in the desert, who feel like there's no one who understands, there's no one who has experienced what they have experienced. They feel alone. Some people are feeling depressed. Some people are feeling anxious. Some people don't see any hope. They don't see any way out. In fact, for them, the one way out for them may be to just end it all. And it may be on that day. Matter of fact, I had an opportunity to talk with a guy Friday night. The guy was telling me a story about his brother. And his brother was not saved. And uh, for some reason, somebody thought of him. And they, and they thought, well, that's kind of odd. But they picked up the phone and they, they placed the call. And when this man's brother answered the phone, he was sitting in a chair with a gun nestled between his legs getting ready to take his own life. And on that night, that person called them, and he answered the phone, and instead of taking his own life that night, he received a new life in Christ Jesus. Why? Because one person was sensitive to the Spirit, was led by the Spirit, and picked up a phone and called someone that they hadn't talked to in some time. I'm not saying every situation we encounter is going to be a situation like that one. But I will say that there are situations that we're going to find ourselves in where people are just as hopeless, where they feel like there's no end to the suffering, where there's no answer to the prayer, where there's no way out of the trap, and you and I know the truth, that it's Jesus, that it's Jesus. Just like last week, may God give us the grace to seize the moment. And may God give us the grace and the boldness to witness to those who need to hear Jesus. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.